0: Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your
1: house. It's Friday, June sixteenth, two 2023, and this is The Gateway from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Rod Milam, sitting in for Wayne Pratt today. Coming up later on in the podcast, each year a group of young members of the Cherokee tribes gets on bicycles to retrace the steps of their ancestors who were forced to march the Trail of Tears.
0: Just to remember where we came from and that we are still here. It's just just seeing how resilient our Cherokee ancestors were.
1: The group is currently traveling through southern Missouri and we'll hear from three of them coming up again later on in the podcast. But first, the news. Arch City Defenders is suing the owner of a South St. Louis apartment complex for bulk filing evictions. Fountains Apartment Homes is also accused of not notifying residents that it is the new owner of the rundown Fountains at Carondelet Complex, formerly known as Southwest Crossing. Arch City says there have been 36 eviction judgments at the apartments since the company took over in February. The lawsuit alleges no employees have been in the leasing office since last month and the space is boarded up. Arch City says it follows a trend in the region of apartments changing to out-of-state corporate investor ownership that moves to evict residents. The court is being asked to decide if the company is allowed to collect rent and whether it can evict residents without following state law. Arch City also says the company should be ordered to stop forcing tenants from their homes. The St. Louis Development Corporation has finished awarding $4.5 million in federal coronavirus relief funds to small businesses in St. Louis. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports. The grants support businesses operating in 72 of the 79 different neighborhoods in St. Louis. More than three-quarters of grant recipients are in areas that the federal government says have not received enough investment historically. St. Louis Development Corporation made special efforts to make sure business owners without a lot of experience applying for grants were able to request funds, according to President and CEO Neil Richardson. It was a pivotal moment for us as we were hiring the neighborhood managers, that they were actually out in the community knocking on doors of businesses to say, these funds are available and this is how you complete the application. 900 St. Louis small businesses received $5,000 each. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. A group of St. Louis charter schools is forming a cooperative to share special education resources. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports.
0: Some city charter schools say their current special education needs don't quite fill a full-time position. They often have to rely on contractors to get kids the services they need. Now a group of eight charters is forming a co-op. Carrie Crachley is director of student services at KIPP St. Louis, which operates multiple schools in the city. What we're really hoping to do in this co-op is actually have some of our staff help out some of those smaller charter schools who just need a few hours of occupational therapy a week or speech-language pathology a week. And some of our staff have availability. The cooperative is launching this upcoming school year. I'm Kate Grumke, St. Louis Public Radio.
1: A study from doctors at Washington University indicates kidneys donated from patients who tested positive for COVID-19 are safe to transplant. As St. Louis Public Radio Sarah Fenton reports, during the pandemic, kidney donations decreased as doctors worried that the organs would put recipients' health at risk.
0: Doctors studied three years of transplant data for more than 45,000 recipients. They found no higher risk of failure, organ rejection, or death in patients receiving kidneys from donors who had COVID-19. Tarek Alamad is a transplant nephrologist at WashU and an author of the study. He says during the pandemic, providers out of caution discarded many usable kidneys, which made waiting lists for the valuable organs
1: longer. These outcomes are excellent. and There have been no cases of transmission of COVID-19 through kidney transplantations. So hopefully more providers and more patients will accept these organs.
0: Alamad says doctors in recent months have been discarding fewer usable kidneys as they learn more about how the virus affects organs. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio.
1: North St. Louis County communities will celebrate Juneteenth together this year with Five Days of Black Joy. Now, the festivities will include trivia nights, concerts, and movie showings this weekend throughout North County municipalities. St. Louis County Chairwoman Shalonda Webb helped plan the events, and she says she hopes they will highlight inclusion within the black community. And our community has been breathing deep for hundreds of years. And so that five days of black joy is just to reinvigorate us, to let us know that we are just as valuable as anybody else, and we are here to work together to do that. Elected officials also say they hope to address problems like food insecurity together from now on. The Trail of Tears. It was a government ethnic cleansing and forced displacement of five indigenous tribes from their homes in the southeastern United States to reservations in current-day Oklahoma from 1830 to 1850. 60,000 people were forced to march hundreds of miles and many died along the way. Young members of the Cherokee Nation and Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians take on a three-week bike ride each year, retracing their ancestor steps. The Remember the Removal bike ride is currently going through southern Missouri. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All caught up with the riders at a stop in Steelville in Crawford County last night, and he spoke with Faith Springwater, Nelson Lambert, and Kenzie Snell.
0: Personally, I have a lot of ancestors that walk the trail, so it's just meaningful to me to get to see a small glimpse of the trials and tribulations that they face and just to be a leader to the youth underneath me in the Cherokee Nation. I think it's just honestly crazy to see where our ancestors came from and just to remember where we came from and that we are still here. It's just, um, I don't know, just seeing how resilient our Cherokee ancestors were. I think when we were in Port Royal, we got to walk like the grounds exactly where our ancestors walked, so that was pretty moving. When I get back home, I will be able to give lots of information to people, get to teach them a lot that we learned, because I didn't know a lot of this stuff myself, and just growing up, not in a cultural, traditional home, I guess I would say. I'm um, just getting to take some of this back home and teach the youth and my some of even my family itself about this.
2: The world we're living in it's very fast paced in terms of um, technology, you know we need everything instantaneously right now, but what's great about this ride is we're able to take time to just kind of slow down and get back to a way of transportation you know riding on a bicycle to really have time to think and reflect and Having these stops was very important to me. Like we stopped in, uh, we were in Coopertown, Kentucky. Um, They had a big breakfast for us and you know, a lot of the town, you know, some of the town came out, um, the city, uh, the police there. And so I remember, you know, I had a group of people sitting with me at my table and I was just sharing what I've learned in our training up to this point, because it's not just about the bicycle; it's about learning about our genealogy, about our, um, you know, our ancestors, family history, about learning about the history itself of our people. So, being able to share that was a really, really cool time for me. And they listened intently, and I appreciated that.
3: It's been very emotional, and it's definitely been very challenging not just physically it's been very challenging mentally as well but as far as history and culture we've just learned so much and being able to go to places that you've read about in books and we were taught during our training has been very cool it's like putting a face to a name kind of so that's been very emotional for sure. Blythe Ferry was definitely my favorite place and the most emotional for me because the first time I went there, I didn't have my genealogy to where I knew exactly what family members had been there or like what names on the monument were related to me. So for me going this time and having that list and being able to say like, "Oh my gosh, like I had so many people that passed through here and here and here was pretty emotional for me just having that like seeing how much I've learned and feeling how much more connected I am now there was a guy there that let us ride his pontoon across the river like kind of symbolic for our ancestors being ferried across so I thought that was pretty cool too. It's one of those things that a lot of people will say the Trail of Tears isn't my history so like that's why we weren't that's why we didn't learn about it in school but it is it's everybody's history whether you're cherokee choctaw or no, not native at all because it's american history so i think that's why it's important that more people should talk about it and i seriously remember reading a paragraph about it in school and that was it, it was like one paragraph and i was like oh that's bad like why are we not talking about that even as a fifth grader i understood that it needed to be talked about more
1: that was Remember the Removal, bike riders Kenzie Snell, Nelson Lambert, and Faith Springwater. They spoke with St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All, and that piece was edited by Brian Moline. St. Louis Public Radio is a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and our music today was provided by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Rod Milam, sitting in for Wayne Pratt, and this is The Gateway.